Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Cardiacrin Kids Cleveland Sports Podcast. We got a lot of good stuff for you guys today. We're going to be doing a deeper dive into the Indians. Then we're going to move on and we're going to get into the Combine and the Browns, a couple players we think the Browns should be looking at. Then we're going to get into our games of the week like every week and then finish off like every episode with our hot takes. So make sure you stick around and check that out. And without any further ado, let's get it on. First pitch hit high, hit deep to left, down the line it goes. It is gone. Fuller on the right side, Kipnis diving toward his left, has it, gets up, throws, he got him. Swung on, hit high, hit deep to left. Away back goal! It's close to tribe time. <laughs> yeah, we're getting so close to opening day. I'm I'm so pumped. Yeah, it's it is really exciting. Uh, so getting into the tribe talk, we want to start off with just kind of a rundown of spring training and how that's been going for the Indians. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far in spring training, the total record of four four and one. So. Yeah, they don't, they don't do extra innings or anything in the spring training, yeah. which, I mean, obviously makes sense for a whole ton of different reasons. Yeah, so what, What's the point of that? Yeah, exactly. Right. You don't want to get guys hurt, and right. you've got plenty of games coming. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to touch on uh, the game today. It was earlier today. We're recording on Saturday. So they played the athletics. Not really much going on. Kind of a boring game, but it was Trevor Bauer's second uh, spring training outing. Uh, he had another good outing. Uh, ended up giving up one run, I think, in the fourth. But besides that, he retired eight of his first nine batters. Uh, did a, just just another really good showing. He's, I think, he's really going to take a step this year. He's, if you if you follow him on Twitter or read about him at all, you know that he just puts so much work, and he uses uses every resource available. He uses all the technology that you can get to improve yourself and so him putting that much effort and i'm really excited to see how he performs this year yeah and bauer's one of my favorite not only pitchers on the indians but just one of my favorite players in the game he he's just outside the box on a lot of different stuff Mm -hmm. uh and sometimes people view that as a negative since he is pretty outspoken but i just i really like his training that he does documents everything and you know he tries to even create new pitches to add to his repertoire so Mm -hmm. uh i think i think bauer is going to end up being our ace this year i think he's going to take over that number one over kluber i think he's going to take that next step just my only worry is you know again the whole taking a one-year contract one-year deal yeah and i really hope that he ends up staying with us long term but as a businessman he's betting on himself and you gotta at least respect that a little bit yeah absolutely and like you were saying about adding pitches he actually i, I saw him go to carrasco he i believe he worked was working on one of his pitches and i think he's been working on it for a couple of years but i think he's finally got it to a point to where he can use it and that's what he was kind of telling him um another thing coming in coming out of spring training is um a good young player is really showing up. And Daniel Johnson, a guy we got in the Jan Gomes trade, yep. is playing really, really well in spring training. He, In the six games that he's played, he has a double, a triple, a home run, but he's also got a pair of walks and a stolen base. So 
it's looking good. I mean, it's it's making the Jan Gomes trade look a little bit better. You know, I didn't like it initially, but yeah, I I still hate that trade. But Johnson, I know Francona has really been impressed with them. Mm-hmm. It's still a, a pretty good long shot that he makes the uh, twenty five man to start out the season, but he might be that first guy. Uh, with an injury in the outfield or yeah. somebody a younger guy in the outfield struggling mm-hmm. he might be uh the first guy up and that's okay because he's only 23 years old yeah so he's, he's young s- right super young even if, if he needs a, a year or two to get some more reps in and double a and triple a that's fine that's totally fine so i could see you know what if he continues this tra- trajectory and playing well and like he is in spring trading and that carries over if, as long as he stays on that path he'll definitely be somebody they'll be looking at in a year or two to you know come on the roster and right have, it, have a role on the team exactly and with guys like jordan Lepo, we're a little iffy with him as mm-hmm. well greg allen uh tyler naquins had his struggles in the past you always have to kind of think of Leonis Martin's health issues last year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the opportunity could arise for Daniel Johnson. So hopefully he takes it and runs with it if he does get that opportunity this year. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really good to see. Um, Monday, the Indians are playing the Padres. This will be the first game we will see Jason Kipnis and also uh, the newly acquired Hanley Ramirez, a guy who... We kind of expect to jump into the designated hitter role for us. I'm glad you brought Hanley Ramirez up because he's actually my off-season edition breakdown this week. Oh, so we Look got we got a transitioning right into our Indians player spotlight, as I always call it. So perfect, yeah. All right, well let's let's just get that going then. What do you got? So Hanley Ramirez is one of the more well-known guys that I've covered so far in this uh, breakdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 35 years old. He's a lot bigger than I actually kind of realized. He's six foot two, two hundred and thirty-five pounds. Uh, he debuted all the way back in September of two thousand and five. So he's been in the majors for fourteen years now. Okay. He throws right-handed, or he throws right-handed bats uh, right-handed as well. Uh, primarily now we're going to use him as a DH. He could probably play a little bit of first base as well. But he's been pretty versatile throughout his career. He's played shortstop, third base, and he actually played in left field the first year that he was acquired by the Red Sox. I believe he played in 92 games out in the left. Okay. Uh, so a little bit of a background story for him. He was actually released last year after 44 games in Boston. He had some nice power, and his average wasn't terrible, but they just decided to move on from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of accepting an offer in the middle of the year last year to try and help a contending team, he decided to sit out the rest of the year to get his body healthy, his mental state healthy, and try again this upcoming year. And his agent warned him, you know, hey, you might just get a minor league offer next year if right. you don't continue going this year. Mm -hmm. And as we'll find out, he's very confident in himself. He told his agent, he's like, "Eh, I know I'll only get a minor league contract, but I'm going to play in the majors. And he's already made he's already made comments about uh, telling Francona, you know, I will be that middle of the lineup type of hitter that you need. Because Francona's already kind of mentioned that Mm -hmm. he wants them to be in the middle of the lineup. Uh, I mean, on an average baseball team. I 
don't think Hanley Ramirez would be in the middle of the lineup. Yeah. He'd be more of a bench guy. But with how young and how inexperienced the Indians are, especially at that DH spot, if Santana's at first base, don't really have a DH. So yeah, we'll take what we we can get right now. Exactly. Definitely. We're not we're not in the greatest. I'm just greatest I, spot there. So. I am a little sidetracked. I am still pissed off that the Indians did not go for Marwin Gonzalez. The Twins got an absolute steal. He is going to kill the Indians for, I believe, his three-year contract. Just an overall great deal for Minnesota. I, I've i mentioned this before. Yeah. I really think the gap between Minnesota and Cleveland is a lot closer than people think. And I think people this year are going to start realizing that. Yeah, I, I'm not buying it's going to be a complete cakewalk like it has been the last couple of years. And, you know, we've it's even gotten close at times. I mean, we we've still kind of been sitting on top of the throne there, but I, I I agree. They they can't stop relying on being able to just coast to the playoffs anymore. They and that's kind of where they're falling to, which is a little bit concerning. Yeah, and I I think it hurt a lot last year with them coasting. I think it didn't prepare them very well at all for the playoffs. I think they just kind of got stuck in a rut, couldn't get out of it, and it showed in the Houston series. So I really hope they, with the young guys coming in and being inexperienced, they feel like they have something to prove, not only to themselves, but to the organization. Yeah, I think we're going to see maybe not as good of baseball, but I think a lot more effort than we've seen the last year or two. I agree. That's That's definitely what you know that injection of youth is is going to be we're going to have guys like Tyler Naquin who's you know had a had a couple years but he's still a real young player uh, hopefully we get you know Bradley Zimmer back and a good Bradley Zimmer you know the Bradley Zimmer we got when he first came up and started having a good impact and then started kind of dealing with injuries but yeah absolutely the with a young lineup comes that extra effort and you know that could be good. That could not work out. Go all kinds of different ways. So it's you know that's kind of a wild card situation as far as that goes. Yeah, and I, I'm. It might be trying to find some light in this darkness of this lineup, but I'm actually really excited to see how Jake Bowers performs. I've I've kind of talked myself yeah, me into me too. Him being a potential player. I know Tambo was. The fans, at least, were really upset to lose him. Mm-hmm. And if he's versatile, he can play some left field, first base, maybe DH. Uh, he's young. He might end up being a guy that could uh, be a nice little corner piece for this uh, Indians team. Because I, I, it's really looking like they're going to start not rebuilding, but retooling. I think they yeah. kind of have an idea of what Lindor is going to be wanting in the open market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Bowers could end up being a nice piece there. Yeah. Especially, I mean, Lindor's going to be a free agent in 2022. Yeah, if they if they want to bank on, you know, B&L to pay Lindor and keeping him in Cleveland, which is going to be really tough to do with the money situation because he's, I mean, with the guys, what guys are getting paid now, just yeah. imagine what that's going to be when it, it does come time to pay Lindor in 2022. So it's their kind of options are, see where you can get with these young guys and you know the the young guys on the cheaper contracts which it's not what you want to hear now because we're on the edge of it but we're I guess we're technically still in that window to 
yeah, when you know, I would still call us contenders. I still call us contenders just because we're going to be in the playoffs. If you can get to the playoffs, that's half the battle, right? So you know, as long as we got that road to the playoffs, that's we need to be given everything we can. But at the same time, it, you got to balance that with looking to the future, and not putting yourself in a hole where you're putting it all in now to completely destroy it and three years from now and be irrelevant again for five, six years. Right. And I think uh, with if, if Lindor does hit the open market, mm-hmm. I can see him getting either like a eight to 10 year contract worth 350 to $375 million. So I think he'll beat what Harper and Machado got, but he'll be like a little bit below say like what Mike Trout would get in the open market. Yeah. And it's tough because you want to keep him, but are we really going to be able to pay him that? Probably not. It's either we pay him that and have literally guys on just the smallest deals possible, mm-hmm. or we sign a bunch of guys that are in that kind of middle tier and we end up letting Lindor walk or end up trading him. Well, let's start the GoFundMe now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'd be willing to do it if I if I had a, if we had a a big enough of a a platform. We're working yeah, on it, right? Exactly. But man, if we get a GoFundMe just to make sure we could pay uh, Lindor, I'm all about it. And I'm sure a lot of Cleveland fans would throw a couple bucks into that. Uh, a couple hundred bucks <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that'd be uh that'd be really sweet. So if we do look to trade him, I, I would not trade him until the summer before his free agency starts. I would try and hold on to him and extend him up until that point. If it doesn't look like he's staying Mm -hmm. and teams start making some offers, I think we could get a very, very nice return for him. Uh, I would start off and at least ask for either two or three players from that team's top eight farm system players and then try and get maybe an average player back, whether it's like a utility guy, a shortstop for the short term, a bullpen arm, something like that. Uh, or if that's too much, I'd still ask for two or three players, but instead of the top eight, the top 15 of their farm system, and then try and get a pretty good major league player back. And the same type of thing, a shortstop, uh, maybe a, a more proven outfielder, a better bullpen arm. So hopefully it never comes to that. Hopefully he resigns with us, and we will never have to think about losing our dear Frankie ever. Yeah. But you never know. That that that, that is a really depressing thought. It you're, is you're you're putting into my mind right now. Nah, I don't sorry. like it. But I if you're if, the if, truth. I'm if sorry. you're being realistic though, and you do get to that point to where because you're gonna know you're gonna know what position you're in. Like you said, the summer before he's gonna become a free agent, you're right. gonna you're gonna know at that point whether you're gonna be able to give him what he wants or not. And then you get what you can if you got to get rid of him and what you can get from him will definitely be a lot. Oh yeah. They will right. definitely get a really good haul for him. It's not going to beat having him, but right. It'll do everything it can to soften the blow, I guess. The Indians front office is smarter than you and I will ever be. So we have to kind of mm-hmm. just trust them and really really hope that they yeah. strike gold in a trade or some of these 
younger outfielders we brought in, and maybe that convinces Frankie to uh, stay with us. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any good Frankie yeah, Lindor news? Enough, enough with the doom and gloom here. Let's 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 move on to something positive and stick on the subject of Frankie Lindor. Yes, I do have some good news, oh, and that it. is he is starting to get back on the field uh starting to practice a little bit more he is doing batting practice and he's also doing you know his ground balls drills and stuff like that so it's good to see um see him kind of getting back in the groove and starting to do more and more baseball activities and frankie if you are listening to this which i know you are not but if somehow this makes it to you please do not rush yourself come back 100 percent healthy if you miss a couple weeks of the season, it is okay, but please come back healthy. You know what? I got you, okay? I actually just – I didn't actually do it. I'm not saying I haven't figured it out yet, but I know the way you're supposed to put, like, clips on Instagram of, like, the podcast. So I'm going to make sure I get that clip. And please do. And we're going yes. to put it up on Twitter and Instagram and – we need we need anybody all all ten of you that are listening to this episode of the podcast. Just kidding, um, to share it if you you know you're hearing this. Make sure you go check yes. out our Twitter and Instagram. I'm gonna post that clip of Mark begging begging for our lives that Frankie doesn't leave, and not we're, we're gonna, not leave, we're gonna get it out there. Come back healthy. I mean, Lonnie Chisenhall just left the game today for the Pittsburgh Pirates due to muscle tightness. I miss Lonnie. I do not at all. He he's already hurt again. He was spectacularly average. Yeah, he, I mean, he showed <laughs> some glimpses of being a pretty good hitter, and mm-hmm. just help, man, injuries suck. Yeah, they're yeah, injuries suck. Yeah, for sure. They they could really really put a hamper on things. Like, I mean. Danny Salazar is a perfect example of that. Ugh. Somebody with so much freaking potential, he could really throw the freaking ball, but he just can't stay healthy enough to do it and strains himself every time he gives it his full effort. So now he's got to reel it back. And as we kind of talked about before, he's probably, you know, not he, he's not in the talks to be a starter anymore. He's going to have to move to a bullpen role and be – He'll you be know, that great, two, two to three innings yeah. a game kind of guy, and you know that's not what he wants. That's not uh, what he wants at all. I I think that's but a perfect role for him. It is a forward. perfect role for him, but I know he gave a lot of lot of fight back whenever uh, the injuries first started popping up, and they tried to you know slide him to that role. I know he was not yeah. really happy about it, but if he's I think he's gonna, accepted it finally. I think but yeah, he, yeah. If he I think he knows that if he's gonna have a career at this point, that's that's the direction it's gonna go. Which is fine because I, I like the the starting pitchers we have now. I like the rotation where it's at. I still think we got one of the top rotations in baseball, very top oh, yeah. heavy. It's it's at worst top five, more likely top two or three. And I mean that just that's gonna come when you have two aces on your team. I would say two and a half. I think Carrasco definitely gets I, under you know, yeah, undervalued. I, I I agree. I really do. Uh, Crasco is is just ridiculous. And Clevenger had a good year last year too. I, I really hope he takes kind of that next next step. And I really liked what I saw mm-hmm. from Shane Bieber as well. I think he could be a pretty. Uh, I mean that if Shane Bieber is your fifth starter, you're mm-hmm. doing something right, definitely. Yeah, and he's. I I read he's. He said he's really excited to have a chance to get a full year under his belt. Oh yeah, and he. 
he's got a lot he can prove. He can really, really, you know, he has his first real opportunity to show what he can do in the league, and it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds and see how he does. Yeah, and I, if for whatever reason Bieber struggles, he's young enough and has some options that he can go down to AAA. We still have Adam Plutko and – uh, there's a young rising pitcher, one of the best prospects in uh, not only the Indians organization, but all of baseball and Tristan McKenzie. So if I'm not sure how far away McKenzie is, I would like to see him maybe next year. But uh, McKenzie could be an option if they feel real comf- uh, comfortable with his development. He might be a guy that they look into if Beaver struggles. But I, I don't anticipate Beaver struggling. I think he's very level. He, yeah. He'll never get too high or too low. He's a lot like Kluber in that aspect. Let's hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would really like to see that. So before we uh, move on to other sports, I wanted to just touch on the the obvious, the deal, the big, the big news, the big Bryce Harper news. Huge. Huge contract. Ridiculous. He's really excited to bring a trophy to D.C., DC. Wait, what? Yeah, I said that because did you see his interview? I did not. He he was doing his introductory interview with them and he said that. He said I'm excited to bring a trophy to DC and then he kept talking like naturally. He didn't even catch it. Ugh. And then all the uh the reporters just started laughing. Um but yeah, no, he's not anywhere in DC. He's in Philly. 13 years. $330 million, no opt-outs, no trade clause. That, gosh, that no outs is just crazy because, man, if, if Harper struggles, the Phillies can't get rid of him. Oh, yeah. If he better Harper really doesn't like Philly. it there, he's not going to be able to get out unless they do trade him. But, I, man, yeah, that's that's interesting, and that's – I believe uh, all 330 mil are guaranteed too, which is yeah unbelievable. Baseball's got stupid money, right? And that's you know we were just talking about that. Like that's the deal now. You know, Lindor and you know the it, the money only goes higher and higher every year. Right. Those those top players, whenever it's their time, you know the the later and later it happens, the more and more money they get. So you can only imagine what I don't think Lindor is going to be looking for a 13 year deal. But if he is, that same 13-year deal is probably going to be up into $500 million by that point. So There was yeah. a rumor going around that the Dodgers had offered Harper a four-year, uh, I believe it was a $180 million deal. And that means he would have hit free agency again at the age of 30. Which, yeah. on one hand, I can see why Harper would not take it for the fact that Three hundred thirty million is better than one hundred eighty million. Yeah. At the same time, four year deal. If you like it there, you can always resign in L.A. Yeah. If would, not, then you can go get big money elsewhere again. That, that'd put him at what thirty? Yeah, thirty so years old. At thirty, so one hundred eighty million. If he even got just, you know, at, at that point, maybe at thirty, signed like another five or six from that point for like. About even the same amount of money. He could definitely he could make more money than I think he's actually given. I mean, giving him three hundred thirty is a ton of money. Right, saying that he could have. I think he broke it up if he did like you know that that four year one eighty and then did like a five year two hundred two fifty. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. 
that's that's less time and that's more money. That's so uh, yeah, that's definitely kind of ridiculous. I mean, he uh, must have felt really comfortable and he just wanted to make sure he got that guaranteed money. Yeah, and and I'm sure um especially if you get 10 years down the road or 8 10 years down the road and that something's something's changing, they they don't have that team. He, I'm sure that he can waive the no trade clause. Mm-hmm. If, it get, if it gets to that point, they can say, "Hey, look, we we've done our thing with you the last ten years. We we've gotten to a point to where, you know, we're we're kind of ready to go back in rebuilding mode. Whatever they could say, hey, you, and, and anywhere sound nice. Like anywhere you're gonna wave this for, we can unload you and get some stuff. Like that that's definitely a possibility. So it's not like he's definitely locked in there for thirteen years, no question. But that's a lot he's got a, of money to trade for a well, 35 so, 36 year old guy you know yeah but how much will it you know really be when it breaks down uh, if, i believe it's, it's averages uh it varies from 26 to 24 million throughout his contract maybe so it's it 21 go, or 20 maybe at the lowest it, you think you think it's front loaded or uh, i think it's i believe if i remember correctly the first couple years are more front loaded okay uh and then it which dips down sense. a yeah right which and then dips down a little bit um because easier for that scenario to happen if, right if that's the case because harper actually in that interview i read that he made a comment about how only per year he's averaging 25 26 million mm-hmm. and he said there's a guy out in la that's going to be a free agent in two years in regards to mike trout yeah. So he's already kind of playing that seed. And right, I mean, right. there's already a pretty well known that Mike Trout and Philly have a little bit of a connection. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's a big Eagles fan. I believe he uh, grew up there, if I remember correctly. That would be ridiculous. I mean, yeah, having Trout and Harper on the same team is insane. He actually, I'm sorry, he grew up in New Jersey, but I believe he uh, like grew a up very, a Philly fan. That's like a very Yankees thing to do. Yeah, I I mean the Phillies definitely if you know you believe in the paper champions they definitely won the off season. Yeah, got him JT uh, Mudo, uh Segura David Robertson. So I mean they they picked up some some players definitely this mm-hmm. year. One thing I I saw recently I don't remember hearing about it around that time but. Cleveland.com had an article about how the Indians had real interest in trading for him around the trade deadline last year. I don't remember hearing that, but uh, yeah, that would have been. I mean, it's irrelevant now, sure, but definitely <laughs> sound sound sounded nice and would have been crazy. Even though we probably, you know, he would have left anyway. Would have been just to try to give us that extra oomph to make it farther in the playoffs, make a run. But Could still. you imagine if we would have picked up him and then Josh Donaldson still? That would have been – I mean, Harper, Donaldson, Ramirez, Lindor. That's a yeah. really, really nice, heavy lineup. And Edwin, we saw Edwin, Jan Gomes. I mean, who, who knows? That might have injected some more life into him too. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. All right. Now we are going to take a little break. When we get back, we are going to jump into the Browns. We're going to jump into the Combine, what's, what's going on there, do our free agency spotlight, and talk about a couple other things going on in the, the Cleveland football world. Firing. He's going for Landry down by the end zone. A top of a 
See, being a Cleveland Brown is way more than just playing football. It's about being an elf. All right, Dog Pound, it's time to get into your Cleveland Browns. We are going to start off uh, the Browns segment talking about what ha- what's going on at the Combine. We're going to talk about some of the guys that we've already talked about in our player spotlights and then also a couple other uh, guys that we have been just keeping our eye on. I'm going to start it off. I'm going to go over some of the wide receivers at the, the Combine, some of the higher-end guys. I'm going to start off with Mark's, Mark's favorite prospect, Andy Isabella. Wide receiver the, number one. He's a guy out of UMass from Mayfield, Ohio. Yep. Uh, originally got roots here in uh, in Ohio and Cleveland. So, yeah, he measured in at five nine. We all, you know, we know he's a short guy, small guy, one hundred eighty eight pounds. Only did about uh, only did fifteen reps on the bench press, and ran. Well, he actually tied for the first uh, fastest forty time. Which then it ended up being kind of a weird situation. Yeah, um, that was because when odd. he init- when he ran it, the official clock or not the official clock, but you the know laser. on the TV mm-hmm. and the, the lasers were off, so it actually read that he ran like a four or five six. So, but when you know you go down, there's a bunch of other people timing it, and they I I've seen anywhere from four two seven to four three one, which was what he was officially listed at. Yeah. Um, that's good. That's a gets a good time for him. That like four two seven to four three one. That's absolutely what what he was projected to do. And yeah, as expected, you know. I think being one hundred eighty eight pounds, five foot nine. I really like. I think that's a pretty good size for him. If he adds maybe another five to ten pounds, I think that'd be perfect. I mean, you know, he's twenty pounds more than Marquise Brown, and they're the same height. And Isabella's yeah. just as fast. And not coming off major injury, so I think that's definitely something that's going to be huge for him going into this draft. If you compare the two guys, he's bigger, just as fast, and not coming off a big injury. Yeah, he's your favorite. I like him a lot too. I I got nothing bad to say about him. He he's definitely a very very interesting prospect. So it'd be it'd be really nice to see him in orange and brown. Uh, the next guy on my list, uh, Paris Campbell from Ohio State, the Ohio State. Uh, so if you're a Buckeyes fan listening to us, you are you are familiar. Measured in around six feet, uh, two hundred and five. He only did eleven ugh, eleven reps on the bench press. I, I don't I don't take too much stock in the bench press for receivers. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I mean they don't need to be overly strong, right? Uh, however, it is somewhat important in terms of getting off man-to-man press coverage and sure. things like that. And blocking. and Yeah, right, like exactly. That. But it, it's not a huge deal for me, but it, yeah. it is something to at least make a note of. Yeah, and he also ran a 4-3-1, so he was the guy who tied Andy Isabella for the fastest time. I think we kind of expected he was going to be you know, one of one of the burner guys in this mm-hmm. class, one of the, the deep threat types. So I think Campbell really helped us uh, stock out. I think... Uh, I, I don't. I don't think he's getting out of the second round. Maybe mm. early third, but I. I would expect him being in the second. Yeah, and if uh, we go a different direction with number seventeen, and he's available when our pick comes around in the second round, and we're still looking at a wide receiver, I. I definitely would not hate that move for sure. 
I, I'm, I have a couple guys over him. Uh, Hakeem Butler had mm-hmm. a great day today as well. Yeah. Uh, six foot six and ran a four four nine, about oh, two hundred twenty five pounds, I believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's beautiful right there. Yeah. His catch radius is absurd as well. Yeah, another guy uh, on my list, uh, Nikhil Harry. He was uh, a, a lot of people have him as the number one rice, wide receiver coming out, and there's so many different thoughts on it because I think so many guys bring so much, so, a variety of things to the table. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of not who's better, but it's at who's better for what a certain team needs, you know. And he's a he's a bigger guy. He's six foot two. He weighed in at two twenty eight. And he did 27 reps, so that's that. He's he's real strong, and for being that that big and strong, you know, he didn't his his 40 wasn't too bad. It was four or five one. That's pretty good, I think, for Harry, definitely. Yeah, so you know, he's 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 not going to be one of the burners like the smaller guys like Campbell and Isabella, but that's definitely still a very very good 40 time and. Yeah, I, I really like this receiving class. There's a, mm-hmm. probably eight to twelve guys that if we drafted them, I'd be pretty excited about. Uh, I'm not super high on Harry. I know there's a, quite a bit of people that are, mm-hmm. but guys like Campbell, Isabella, Butler. Uh, we'll go into this a little bit later, but I know you're a big Metcalf guy. I'm I'm um, I'm, a, I'm on the opposite end of that. Funny you say that because I did in fact save the best for last. Oh boy. Um, and it's kind of funny because Nikhil Harry actually his combine was very very comparable except for the forty yard dash, which I'll get to. To his his measurables were very comparable to Metcalf. Um, Metcalf measured in at six three and about three eight, so almost almost, almost six three and a half. That's really good size. That's, you know, for a red zone threat kind of receiver. He weighed in the, the exact same as 228. He also put up the same amount of reps as Nikhil Harry at 27. Here's the difference and something that's really was really eye-popping to a lot of people and I think surprising and is what I think is going to make him really jump up and take him out of the range for the Browns, and that's his 40 time at a 4-3-3. This guy is six foot three, huge. He he looks like Miles Garrett as a wide receiver, and he runs a four three three. That's ridiculous. He runs almost as fast as Andy Isabella and Paris Campbell. Are you kidding me? Okay, so and even to add to your credit, his vertical was almost forty one inches as well, which is ridiculous. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. Metcalf is a freak of nature. There mm-hmm. is no questioning that. However, there's a couple things that really turned me off to Metcalf. Go ahead. Go ahead. So the first thing is I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell you about a couple other stats that we did not talk about. Tell me about it. Tell me all about it. I want to hear it. The three cone drill was v- pretty bad. Seven three eight. Yeah. For comparison, my number one offensive tackle in this draft, Andre Dillard, mm-hmm. ran a seven four four. And what, now, what was now Metcalf's? Dillard? Dillard is a six foot five, three hundred and fifteen pound offensive tackle. So he ran a Dillard ran a seven point four four. Metcalf was a seven point three eight. In the twenty yard shuttle, Metcalf was four point five. Dillard was four point four. So the agility portion of it, not a huge fan of. Yeah, he sure. can run straight. 
in a line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can jump up really high. Yeah, he can push a bar up. Not huge on the agility portion of that. Mm-hmm. Another thing that really, really scares me is his college production or lack of college production. Sure, sure. The highest, his best season, he had 39 catches for 646 yards and seven touchdowns. That's not a lot of playing time. He only had 67 career college catches. And now, granted, he had 1,200 yards, about an 18 average per catch and 14 touchdowns. In a whole season, that'd be great, but it's over a course of three years. He's dealt with some injuries. It's just very, very concerning, the lack of production, because if you look at a lot of the receivers coming in, a lot of them have very good production in college, like a guy like Julio Jones or a guy like A.J. Green. So Metcalf definitely has the potential, but I don't know if he has the experience to make the transition from college to the pros. Let me ask you this. Let's hear it. How many uh, receiving yards did Terrell Pryor have in college? You mean barely had a job the last couple years, Terrell Pryor? Is that I, who we're talking I'm about? I'm talking about Terrell Pryor who the one had year a thousand wonder, yards. The one-year wonder Terrell Pryor? Yeah. Okay. If he can come in in the league after switching from a quarterback, not playing wide receiver at all, I think DK Metcalf can take those physical tools and the things that you can't teach, he has those, and work on the things that you can learn and you can improve at, like the catching and the route running. And I think you can, he can work on that stuff, and that's what you're going to do at the pro level is work on the technicals of all that stuff. And when you watch this tape, man, like he might not – he the injury, I agree with you. That's, that's something that is a, a little bit worrisome, but – if if you're buying in, if you're if you're the team and you're diving into the medicals and you're doing your own checks on them and it's it's looking good from this point forward, which you don't know with anybody. Um, if you you watch us tape, man, when he is out there, he makes some crazy plays. Like he can go up and just snag a ball out of there. He's a big guy. He's probably got huge hands. I I didn't actually look up that measurement. I meant to, um, but. He be, that size just puts you, gives you so much that you can do that other other guys can't, and that alone, like I said, I I think he's just got so much potential. All all the things that he's not so good at is stuff he can't improve on. You don't want a big guy, a, a six foot four, six foot five guy who is really good at like running routes and and already a prolific catcher but is like super slow i mean i guess you'll take it but i think you'd rather have the guy who can improve on the other stuff and then have these insane physical tools already under his belt all right so let me ask you this then hypothetically speaking brashard perriman is in this draft do you take brashard perriman number 17 overall um what we know of now I mean, obviously, we only had him for half a year or so. Would you take Perriman at number 17 overall? This is tricky because... I just need a yes or no. Of what I've seen last year, I'm convinced that if Perryman was... And you can't just thrust him into that number one role, but if he was a number one or number two receiver who's on the field constantly with Baker Mayfield and this team, 
I think he's e- easily putting up over a thousand yards a season the next couple years. So you, I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity, and if if that assessment, if if that's what I'm basing it off of, then I personally would. Okay, I I, I think a lot belief. of people would disagree. I think. Oh, I, I I I know they will. They're so you think you're I'm, in I'm the ridiculous. minority, right? Yeah, just because okay. I, I see what I, I really see a lot of potential in Perryman, and, I, and he is very com, like comparable to Metcalf in that way, where he's a big guy who's just an absolute burner too. He can he uses size and you know in ways that smaller fast guys won't be able to. Right. My 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 point here I'm trying to make is Metcalf is pretty much Perryman in terms of raw ability. Metcalf's two biggest weaknesses are his route running and his hands. Yeah. AKA Brashard Perriman when he first came out. It took Perriman a few years to get to where he is right now. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, Corey Coleman, same exact issues coming out of Baylor. Do you I I don't yeah. think this fan base has the patience for that. And if Corey you Corey Coleman's five eleven. No, sure, but that doesn't help with route running or hands. Maybe Metcalf's going to have – he's definitely going to have the better 50-50 ball. I understand that. But that's – I with how the team is set up now, I feel like Metcalf is a very big boomer bust risk that I don't really want to take. Um, Listen, I, I agree that it's boomer bust, but I'm I'm a very optimistic person, and I just see this guy, and I have a lot of belief that there's more – it's it, – it's you know you can't based off facts you you could make a probably a bigger argument towards it being a bust but just my my gut feeling about it which i don't know what weight that really holds but my gut feeling about it is he's going to be more of a boom guy that's just i i, I see him and yeah i i, I get excited <laughs> I, would, I see him and I get excited. It's he, he looks just like an absolute beast to me, and I, I just I just love him as a prospect. I would I would much rather take an impact defensive lineman, either an edge or a tackle in the first round, and then get a, a Hakeem Butler in the second or an Andy Isabel in the second or third, rather than reach for Metcalf. In my opinion, and if if we're being honest, I think. Metcalf, with how he tested and whatnot, I think he might have put himself in play at number four to Oakland. Oakland's desperate for talent. They don't have a number one receiver since they got rid of Cooper. You know, John Gruden is John Gruden. Mike Mayock, who's a first-time GM, might listen to Gruden in that aspect. Mm. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. I get the uh, interest in Metcalf. I just – if. If I was a GM, I would not pick him as my first receiver. I, I would pass. Okay. Yeah. No. No. I like I said. I totally get the other side of the argument. I, sure. I get there's there's absolute reason to be scared, but I'm just somebody who I, I would be willing to take the risk. But I agree. I I don't. I think with the way he performed and running that four three three and ever everything else, he perked a lot of eyes at the combine. So I think he's going to end up. I think he might be gone before he gets to 17, whether oh, yeah. it's Oakland or another team looking for a receiver. Definitely. And you know who I'd rather take at number 17 than Metcalf? Who's that? Is Noah Fan. He, you had talked about mm. him a few episodes ago. Yeah. yeah Noah Fan had a great combine. I think he really shot himself up and 
I think the debate between Fant and Hawkinson is now full on for who the best tight end at Iowa was, or even in this draft class. Yeah, absolutely. At the combine, he uh, he led all tight ends with the forty yard dash, which he ran a four five. So he ran faster than Nikhil Harry. Yeah, which is ridiculous. And Fant, so he ran Fant a, is bigger. And as well. and we talked about it. I mean, he's that's what his his primary thing is. He's a receiving tight end. He's right. Not, he's not a great blocker. So you, you that's one thing you're gonna have to take into account whenever you look his way. But along with leading the 40-yard dash, he also led all tight ends in the broad jump, the vertical jump, and the three-cone. So he really, really nailed the combine and I think really helped his draft stock. Like you said, he for the people who had him maybe as the fourth or fifth tight end, I think he shot up their charts. And like you said, he's one and two A and B with Hawkinson. And now there's that argument of you know who between those two is possibly the best in this one. Right, definitely. Um, and, I which, mean, he also – I mean, the 39-and-a-half vertical is insane for absolutely. a guy that size and stuff. Yeah. Um. I mean, like you said, the broad jump. I mean, he beat every – he beat Hawkinson by four inches Yeah. doing that. Uh, he was also in the uh, top, uh, top 10, I believe, in the uh, three-cone drill. And well, I mean, that's they, also they had that he led nice. the three cone. I think he was the top ten in the twenty yard shuttle. Uh, I'm actually looking at it right now. So Fant actually had one of the worst three cone drills, which is actually really surprising. Oh, really? Uh, so I'll, I'll, so I'll, what I what I read was wrong. Then. Yeah. So it looks like uh, six eight one. Yeah, six eight one, which is actually. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm incorrect. You're right. He did lead that one. My apologies. He did lead the. Um, cone drill. Ding ding ding! Winner. Yep. Sorry about that. I was no, actually you're, looking you're at. You're fine. You're fine. I was actually looking at um, or thinking of the ver- uh, the broad jump. Excuse me. Oh, okay. The broad jump. Yeah, he was like top ten, top twelve. So I mean, it shows his explosion as well doing those type of drills. So yeah, he really impressed me. I was pleasantly surprised with how he did, and if he can uh, add a little bit to his blocking repertoire, I think that'd be a huge thing for him. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So you had a couple other guys. Uh, like I said, I mainly kind of went over the receiving core. You had a couple other guys you wanted to talk about? Yeah, so I already kind of talked about him a little bit earlier, but Andre Dillard, he's going to be my number one tackle, I think, when it's all said and done. Yeah. He's a redshirt senior, 6'5", 315. You're in a 4'9", 6'40", which is pretty fast for a guy that big. Yeah, anything under 5 for linemen is right. usually pretty good. And he has uh, 33 and a half inch arms, and he did the bench press 24 times, which is pretty solid. Not super strong, but it's a pretty good number for him, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I said earlier his agility. I mean, a 7.44 in the three cone and a 4.4 in the 20 yard shuttle is pretty damn good for a guy that size. Yeah. Uh, so I think he really helped himself today. I know you had talked about. Uh, Jonah Williams being a, a guy you would be interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dillard is a better pass blocker than him. If he can add a little bit of strength, he could be eventually a better run blocker than him. And one guy I have not heard a lot of talk about, but I think he's just such a rare prospect, is Tyree Jackson. He's a quarterback from Buffalo. He was part of the Maction. Buffalo had a pretty good team this year. They have Anthony Johnson as well over at receiver. Mm-hmm. 
the guy the guy's a freak. He's six foot seven, two hundred and fifty pounds, and he ran a four five nine forty. So he is about four inches taller and about twenty pounds heavier than Metcalf. And was pretty pretty damn close to his forty time by point two three or point yeah to, yeah point two three whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackson's super raw. He actually learned a lot of how to play quarterback by watching videos on YouTube. And going to Buffalo, you're not going to get exactly the best training as hey, well. I, that, that as, as much as I love the action, but you know that's what I've been doing. I've been trying out for some uh the AEF and oh, sent, yeah. sent, sent some tape in some flag football oh, weeks. Nice. We'll Still waiting on the call back. Yeah, it'll get there. I thought I thought I uh really put out some good stuff, but yeah, you know, you know, we'll see. But yeah, so I I think Jackson it could be a true wild card. Uh there was a video when I was watching uh Steve Smith went over to him and said don't throw the ball so hard at the receivers in the gauntlet drill and there was a Browns representative uh sitting there talking to him. Hmm. So he could be an interesting guy if he drops real late or even goes undrafted. I could see that happening. I mean, John Dorsey likes to look at you know quarterbacks in like the fifth, sixth round. So if he's somebody, they get to that point and they feel like they're satisfied with some of the other directions they went during the draft, they need to bring in more bodies at least for camp. So yeah, and I I'm pretty sure their kind of rule of thumb is they always want to draft a quarterback even if it's late, just to freshen up some arms and. Uh, if they don't end up getting a veteran this year, you could roll with Baker, Drew Stanton, and then a real raw guy like uh, Tyree Jackson sure. in that third, or Gardner Minshaw, somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a couple of the guys who really underperformed, I'll just quickly go through these guys. Uh, Elijah Holyfield, uh, he ran a four seven nine and a four eight one forty, which doesn't exactly match his tape. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's anything to be super alarmed about. Maybe the lasers I were off on that one too. Eh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> that it, those type of times make you want to go back and watch the tape. So it'll be interesting to see if this causes him to fall and uh, if he decides to rerun it at the Georgia Pro Day. I'm yeah. wondering what he ends up helping his time with that. Right, right. Uh, Offensive tackle, Greg Little. We're used to disappointing Greg Littles in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Little ran a 5'3", 340 and only had a 25-inch vertical. I wasn't super high on him to begin with, and this kind of confirmed that I should not be high on him. Uh, and then the last guy is Devin Singletary. He's a running back from FAU. He's five foot seven and he only had a 4'6", 640. Ooh, that's, that's So good. being that short... And not having that much breakaway speed really hurt him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was a guy who they thought would test better, and he obviously did not. So it'll be interesting as well to see what he does at his pro day and how that affects his stock. Yeah, another guy we're going to have to wait till pro day to find anything else. Kyler Murray didn't do anything. No. I, it's kind of expected. He... You know, twiddled around with uh, the MLB and yeah, but just just come on, man. Like last year, Lamar Jackson not running the forty, and now Kyler Murray. Like, I want to see the, how fast these guys run, man. Yeah, I want to uh, know. I agree. Put I, a number to it. I agreed with Lamar not running it because there was all that. Oh, he should be a receiver. Talk. Just no. He's a quarterback. He's got a strong arm. Don't fantasize about his 40 time and 
what he could be as a receiver. He's never played receiver. I still want to know what it is. I, I'm curious, sure, but I, I fully understand why he didn't do that. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, Yeah, and the other, the other another one, uh, Dwayne Haskins, another, you know, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. He's yep. definitely going to be one of the top quarterbacks, but I, very, I, very slow. Very slow. Well, he had muscle cramps, which led mm. to his his slow time. So, because I believe they were saying he was running around the four eight range. I got gotcha. you. And he timed out at like a five oh five, I believe. So, having uh, Ohio State's pro day, hopefully he gets his cramps fixed and he's able to improve his time a little bit. Uh, but it's not a huge deal. He's not a running quarterback. He's a passing quarterback, no matter what Stephen Whoa. A says. I know, no Whoa. matter what. He's a run-first guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you ever try to tell <laughs> Stephen A something he doesn't agree with. Yeah, well, that's, that's in his opinion, and he gave that opinion and shove it. But, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be nice to see Haskins improve on his time, and he looked like he threw a good ball today, and I think, yeah. if anything, that just helped him be competitive. And he's the quarterback number one for me. I, I'm, I agree. I, I like Kyler, but not as a first overall or first quarterback in the draft. So hopefully Haskins lights it up on his pro day and knocks out the interviews and ends up taking back that number one spot. Yeah, I I don't know why. I've just I've had this feeling for a long time that Haskins is going to be a giant. I sure. feel like that's, that's just a team that's going to be looking at him and they're going to have the opportunity to get him. And that's a big reason I'm why I don't think they're going to get rid of Odell. I know that that, that, like scare, that that does definitely scare me in that in that aspect is the, they're going to they're going to be like, all right, we got you a young quarterback. It's, it's time to go. Stop. Stop crying about it. And let's let's go. But they came out and said that they think Eli's got another year and they are excited to bring him back. So if a guy like Haskins is drafted by them, they'll this, probably this isn't let my him hot take ride. But uh, I don't think. Eli is gonna start start more than five more games due to injury or playing. Due to they're gonna draft a quarterback, they're gonna try to start him, um, or they're gonna start Eli. Set you know do the whole thing like the Browns did with Ty Rod. Like oh we're gonna you know Eli is our veteran. We're gonna let him go, let the young guy develop, and then it's just gonna go off the rails again. They're gonna throw the young guy in there, and that's gonna be it for him. He might come in and. In relief at some point, I might it, it might be wrong because if the you know the young guy gets hurt, the you know throw him back in there and sure. be the starter again. But I I think he after this year he comes about he he's a backup. Hmm. Interesting. But I don't think that's that hot of a hot take. That's why I said I I, I don't consider it. I know the, the number depending on where that bar is set would kind of determine whether it is or not. I think five is like a fair radius even if it's two or you know three or four games into the season they decide to make the change that gives them you know yeah one more like okay you need to step in this week because the quarterback's hurt kind of deal but yeah that's i don't see him hanging around much longer Hmm. interesting all right now i want to talk a little bit about an article i saw on 247 sports going around um is it, we're just going to go over it real quick. Some news about Antonio Brown and the Browns being interested in him. I just, I just don't see it. And along with that, I start I started to hear that 
a couple solid offers or trade interest loca- rumors. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, trade locations for him emerging. And the Raiders, the Redskins, and the Titans seem to be the teams that are really interested in looking to make a push for him. That's such a Raiders move, I feel like, for sure. They'll definitely overpay for him. <laughs> yeah. They have three first-rounders, so Mayock and Gruden might get antsy and mm-hmm. look uh, look to trade one of those later first-rounders for him. Yeah, and, and going along with that, uh, one of those teams, the Redskins, I also heard – you know, could be a possible trade spot for Josh Rosen if the Cardinals decided to trade him away and go with Kyler Murray. So with those two separate talks going on, I mean, could there be a possible pairing of Josh Rosen and Antonio Brown? That would definitely help Rosen out a lot. Oh, yeah. I I don't know if they have enough capital to make a trade for both of those. Mm Mm-hmm without giving up a first-round pick. I don't think I'd give up a first-rounder for either one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Rosen seems like he's going to be discounted. You, you know, one, they are trying to move him if they do go with Murray. And two, he had a pretty bad year last year. Now, granted, he is a rookie. We're seeing the NFL. I get all that. But, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. It will be, uh, it'll be not, interesting I'm to see. Count, I, I'm not I, counting him out yet. I, I got Brown penciled in as a Raider. I think that just makes feels too much right. sense and, yeah, feels right. But I I would like uh, – I just kind of want a random sleeper team, somebody we haven't really heard of. I know the Browns won't – they won't trade with us, which is fine. I, I think I'm okay on having Antonio Brown. But I, I want – I just want a random team just to come out of nowhere. I'll still with the Colts, man. Yeah, right, that was, yeah. That was, that was my prediction. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to it until – we see otherwise yeah definitely no that it'll be definitely one of the big storylines to watch when the new year opens up in a couple weeks yep that's gonna do it for our browns and football talk for this week we're going to take a quick break and then we're gonna move on to our games of the week so we'll be right back So I'm just going to read off a few games coming up this week here since we didn't talk about the Cavs any this week, uh, which is great because tonight they just lost by 35 to the Detroit Pistons. Kevin Love was resting and Zizic has a concussion. So uh, this upcoming Wednesday on March 6th, they uh, go to Brooklyn and play the Nets. D'Angelo Russell, all-star, former Buckeye. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, then Friday, they play at Miami, possibly the last time we ever see Dwayne Wade against the – or w- oh, will hey, be yeah. the last time we see yeah, Dwayne Wade play against he's the gone. Cavs. Uh, so that will be interesting to see if we can actually stay somewhat competitive against either of these two teams. Uh, and then also we have UFC Fight Night 146 coming up. The uh, headliner is Derek Lewis taking on Junior Dos Santos. Those are – Two hard-hitting guys, and I look forward to watching that for sure. So that's actually all I got for this week. Some, some very exciting men punching men action uh, going on. It's the best. Um, but, no, uh, going back to the Cavs real quick, I just wanted to bring up something cool. I've, you know, I haven't really been watching the games as much, but I'll go back and look through the box scores. And So the last couple of weeks, you know, I keep looking up the, the box score, and I'll see Jetty in, you know, three for five two for four, 
three for four on his three-point shooting. So I decided to go back to the last five games. He is shooting 66% from three, shooting 16 to 24 in his last five. Yeah, it's about five like, five uh, threes like, a game. Dang, Jetty. He's. I'm telling you, he's definitely. Uh, I've always liked him. I've always thought he would have a role, but he's really showing that he could I be a like contributor once we're actually pretty good. I hopefully. just like his name, but if he can shoot threes too, that that's good with me. So yeah, very very quick rundown of our games of the week. So you know what that means. The end of the show. It's time for us to give our hot takes. Oh my god. Oh, fire! Oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh my god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! What's the Everybody procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! Wait, 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 wait! Everybody just calm down! Alright, you wanna start or you want me to? Um, yeah, you, I'll start. You'll start? Alright. You're gonna, you're gonna love mine. Oh, great. My hot take this week is that DK Metcalf is gonna come into the NFL and he's gonna be a sober Josh Gordon. Well, that's I, I I don't know how scorching hot that is. Give me a little defense as to why you think that, because I I think his per, I mean his com his comparison is Josh Gordon. Yeah, and absolutely. as far as I know, I don't think he has any. Uh, Pretty much that. Like I I I think the things that you're kind of worried about, and a lot of people, you know, the, the negatives that you kind of have on him, mm-hmm. rightfully so. I just. I think his physical tools and the ability that he has is going to outshine that, and he's going to, whatever team he goes to, I think he's going to have an impact right away. And I think he's, I just think he's going to be really good, and he's going to be able to stay on the field at least away from suspensions. Whether the injuries happen, we'll see. But, you know, he, he doesn't have those issues. You know, the last talented guy we've seen like that, you know, being Josh Gordon. So I think if he can stay healthy as you know as far as injuries go, then I think he really has the potential to be that. And not only do I think he has the potential to be that, I'm going to stick my neck out and I'm going to say he is going to be a sober Josh Gordon. Hmm. Okay. I think my hot take's a little bit hotter than your hot take, but we'll see here. Well, I mean, we we don't need to compare how hot. You know I mean? I'm just I'm just saying. It's not a contest. Well, maybe it is. Maybe that's what we should start making it is a contest. Yeah, we can uh, start putting it up on on the Twitter there and the Instagram. Yeah, see we'll what vote, our fans think is the hotter take. Hotter. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. So, what do you got? What do you got? My hot take is Kyler Murray will play more games in baseball than he will in football. Okay, that's hotter. Yeah, I told yeah, you. Yeah, that, that, that that's hotter. Um. Let me defend myself. No, go ahead. Or my my All he has reasoning. to do is play one season of baseball and he's right. There. Oh, sure. But he's been pretty adamant since he made his choice to stick to the NFL that he's football from here on out. Sure. We've already seen his decision making has been somewhat iffy mm-hmm. throughout this whole process. He's been very noncommittal and uh, definitely tugged on him quite a bit. I think he'll probably play three years or so in the NFL. I think he's going to, unfortunately, take a lot of beating, a lot of hits. I don't think he's going to like it. I think uh, eventually it'll just force him to step away from the game, maybe take a couple years off, and then I think he'll be young enough still that he can go back to baseball 
I mean, look at Tim Tebow. Yeah, I'm actually. You know, no, I mean, no college experience, yeah. but he was yeah. a pretty good high school player, and he went l- way later than I think Murray will end up going. I am actually going to walk back what I said. Um, I, I could actually very much see that. Yeah, there, there's a very good chance that things just don't work out for him, and all he has to do is play one season for him to. If he played almost, uh. You know, if he played ten years in the league, hundred and sixty sixty games, I mean, not including playoffs, obviously, sure. but you get that done in one full, you know, baseball season. So, I could I could see it. I could see it. if 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 he's gonna break that if things don't go well early on and he decides to switch, you know, he'll I think he'll be he could be an impact player in baseball. I think he he's gonna be a really good baseball player if he decides to. You know, go back and go that route. So right, and and I can see it. Here's the thing. So not as hot as I gave you credit for initially. I so think it's still just, pretty hot. Let's though. just chill out, though. I mean, look at Tim Tebow again. Right. You know, didn't play in college, but he got an offer from the Mets because he sells tickets. Yeah, that's exactly what Kyler Murray's going to do. And we see a lot of uh, former baseball players going into football, just like Tony Romo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Braden Whedon, you know, people like that. And so I think Kyler's going to flip the switch. I think he's going to go from football to baseball. I think think if he does, he's going to be one of the more successful to do it too. I think he's not going to be one of the guys who switches and then just hangs around in the minors the whole time. Depends on how, uh, how quickly he makes that transition. If he's 29, 30, 31, I don't think it's going to be that smooth. But if he's 25, 26, I I think he has a pretty good shot to be an actual contributor in Major League Baseball. All right, now you can say it. Say what? And that is this week's Hot Takes. We want to thank you for listening. If you like the show, give us a follow on Twitter and Facebook. We're also now on Instagram where we're going to try to post some clips of the show, hopefully engage more with our followers. And all of those you can find by searching at Cardi Akron Kids. Click follow and like so you can stay updated with the show. Help us spread the word. The podcast is available on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time.